Hey folks, my name is Andy Sitto, and welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. My guest today is Taylor Scott, and we go way back. I think we've known each other almost 10 years now. He was playing in a band as a teenager up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with my good buddy Nick Clark. I met Nick, I don't know, when I was 20 or something, at a blues jam. And he was 16 or 17. Um, And then, you know, he was doing stuff with Taylor up in Wyoming. He was doing stuff with me down here in Colorado. So eventually I met Taylor. um, And we started a group, the three of us, called Sido, Scott, Clark. And it was just a songwriters in the round group where the three of us sit on a stage and uh, we each play a song. We sometimes jam on each other's tracks, sometimes not, sometimes just listen. And it was great fun playing with Taylor Scott and Nick Clark. It was just always, um, always just kind of laughing and had a smile on the whole time. We didn't take ourselves too seriously. Played a couple festivals, played some breweries here in town, um, whatever. It was just a fun time. Uh, and we never broke up, you know, but we just haven't had a show in a few years. Uh, you know, people get busy and do and do different things. But so anyway, I've known Taylor probably since he was 18 or 19, and I was 20 or 21. Um, and it's been it's been such a pleasure getting to to know him and see what he's been doing. He's always been a virtuoso guitar player with a great voice and just a cool dude. Um, but to to see what he's done, especially recently in the industry, is really cool. And he's sort of starting to break out um, on a national level. He's you know, he's he'd call himself a Colorado artist now, even though he's from Cheyenne, Wyoming. He moved to the Denver area um, several years ago um, and recently bought a house, too. Um, but so he, you know, I, he would be considered a, a local Denver artist, I suppose, but also is starting to break on the national scene. And he was really starting to break on on that scene until, um, you know, until COVID happened. And it's sort of, you know, you think about some of our local bands, um, you know, Taylor Scott's one of them, or Wildermiss, people who were really starting to break out onto a national level, um, kind of got slowed down by this, you know, maybe maybe more than some of the rest of us. I don't know. But um, anyway, he's doing good things, and uh, his latest studio record was produced by Steve Berlin of Los Lobos. That's called All We Have. Um, and then he also just recently, well, I guess sometime last year, put out an album called Live at the Belly Up. And for, for Colorado listeners, not that belly up, the belly up in California. Um, Taylor Scott Band was on tour opening for Dave Alvin and Jimmy Dale Gilmore. And on one of those shows, they were playing at the belly up. They recorded it. They released it. It's really great. Um, you can hear a lot of the songs on Taylor's um, latest studio release that he did with Steve Berlin done live and you can hear those uh those ripping guitar solos and stuff so um anyway he's doing a lot of cool stuff and i'll let the music and him speak um more than anything i have to say but it's a pleasure to finally get him on the podcast after you know i've been doing this since mid 2018 and he and he's a good buddy of mine so he's um it's weird that we've waited this long but he's on now it's awesome to have him he was also my first uh, in-person podcast interview I've had in a long, long time. And I think permanently most of these interviews will be done over Zoom because I can interview people nationally. I can interview people. I interviewed somebody from South Africa a few months ago, you know, and you can really do that with um, you can really do that with Zoom. But the audio quality is better than usual today. He came over masked up. 
we set up some microphones and uh and we chatted for a couple hours caught up and then uh he booked he booked me to play a dazzle uh this past sunday so if you're listening to this on release day just about five days ago um and it, it was a last minute fill-in show and only one of my band members could make it calvin the drummer so i used taylor's bass player patrick mcdevitt i just made charts met him right before the gig and then taylor sat in on guitar and uh it, it was real cool we sold some tickets did some uh did some merch sales it was great it was the first um in-person band show in a long long time even though it was it was sort of a hybrid band it was the first one in a long time so I got to see Taylor about a week ago for the first time in a while. Got to chat with him and really catch up before the podcast and after the podcast. And then got to jam on a stage with him, too, very recently, which was um, which was just a pleasure. So anyway, uh, I'll jump in to uh, my interview with Taylor Scott. If you want to support in a monetary way, I'm now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. You can support for as little as $3 per month, and I'd appreciate it so much. If you're not in a position to uh, do so in a monetary way, just a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen is is just awesome, um, Those especially on Apple Podcasts. Just take a second, give it that five-star rating, say, hey, this podcast is awesome. It helps me out a ton. Um, or share it with a friend, whatever. So, cool stuff. All right, we're going to start off the episode... Um, with a song off Taylor's latest studio release, All We Have. And it's probably my favorite track on the album. It's called Clearance Bin. Um, and we'll open up with that and then jump right into the interview. Quick thanks to our sponsors. First, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast and is also a CU Denver grad. And uh, for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to P- uh, pqmastering.com. Excuse me. And narrator music for simple and affordable licensing for sync go to narratorrf.com and they're based right here in lafayette colorado do they chime if there's no breeze then who leaves if there's no Thirteen lights on my way home I count them when I drive alone And miles don't matter no more Just knock three times when you're at the door One for six or two for ten of a deal in a clearance bin The day-to-day is all we have I traded for a song and laugh Things I want weren't meant to last Anyway mm-hmm. Shopping around a new kind of dream It's been a few years since mine's been seen Break my heart, you're not the first You know the mornings are the worst 
like your case so far But I don't care about your car Tell me something sweet and new Let me hear my love I can't believe it's the first time. It's kind of weird because, like, how long have you been doing this? Nick's been on twice, <laughs> yeah. two, three times. Nick got invited twice before you got invited once. Yeah. I'm well, sorry. That's okay. What are you going to do? <laughs> Actually, that's not true. Nick's nicer than me. <laughs> I've texted you several times. This is the first time we've been able to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, there was that whole lost year. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. Know, I don't know. The pandemic where we were living down the street from each other pretty much. and Yeah. You know. I didn't see you. Man, I saw... Yeah, I saw John Wirtz, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, for a long time. I think the last time I saw you in public was, <laughs> what was that? What was that? What's that bar on Broadway? Awesome bar. Doherty's. Was it Doherty's? Somewhere no, else. Inglewood a, Grand. Inglewood Grand. Hell yeah. Shout out to the Inglewood Grand, Shout man, in the, the neighborhood. Grand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? That was funny, because I don't remember who I was with, but you were sitting one person away from me. It was like... A person that I know, who I can't remember, uh, me, and then your friend, and then you, right yeah. in a row at the bar. And this went on for like 40 minutes, and I knew you were there the whole time because they have that mirror. <laughs> oh, my God. And I just was waiting for was you Was I to... just talking shit? Yeah. Well, you, well, not shit, but yeah. I mean, you were just hanging out and having a good time, but you did not see me for like 45 minutes or something. And then I <laughs> sent you a drink, I think. Is that what happened? You sent me a drink. Yeah. And, that's, and he said, oh, this is from the... I mean, he may have said this from the lady down at the other yeah, side of the bar. Yeah, I don't bar. know, you know, then I turn my head around. I do have that long hair. I had the braid at the time. Yeah, I, I, that's my style, man. It, yeah. uh, well, I'll tell you what. Thanks for the, thanks for the drink. Mm. I'm still feeling it. Well, now you're paying me back. Damn. 
That's that, smooth, man, especially with the ice melts just a little bit, you yep, know? Yep, Let it we, sit for a minute. We uh, we got out the birthday whiskey. It's uh, McAllen's 12. Damn, man. So you got it for your birthday? I got, it was, yeah, it was, it wasn't actually technically for my birthday. Lincoln Station was closing and got bought by a new owner. So oh. the original owner gave me the McAllen's 12 on the shelf, like on the last day, he goes, just take this and get out of here. Was it open? No. Oh, man. Unopened, so... Uh, well, I, cheers to that guy. Yeah, yeah. Friendo out there, <laughs> you know. Friend, and, and it happened to be right around my birthday, so I call it birthday whiskey. And our mm. birthdays are just a couple of days apart, so this can just be oh, a belated, yeah. man. you know, well, cheers. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been drinking a little bit, you know, but not scotch, not McAllen 12. No, this is uh, this is fancy stuff. This is not stuff that musicians bring home. Mm-mm. <laughs> I've been keeping it clean, man, with that Tito's and cranberry. Yeah. yeah wow. Tito's and cranberry juice. Huh? It makes me feel more hydrated. I, that might be a mental thing. That's definitely a mental thing. <laughs> it's working for me, though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. That's good. Well, so how have you handled this whole thing? You are like a full-time touring musician. You don't have – you've never had a day job. Yeah. How, how have you handled this since everything shut down? And. You know, it's been obviously pretty weird at first. I just went, you know, obviously with, you know, two weeks to slow the curve or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just went into trying to record demos at home and stuff that I, it seemed like a free couple weeks, you know, at first or whatever, even though it was freaky. So it was like, I was trying to do home recording and stuff I've never done. I've always just recorded in demos right. into my phone. So I started trying to mess with that, making little demos, making loops and stuff. And then obviously, you know, it drug on. I was fortunate to do a few gigs over the summer, though, man. Um, outdoor stuff. Did a thing up in Wyoming. They had, like, really low numbers at the time. And, you know, certain people figured out how to make some of those gigs work, you know, those outdoor things with the distancing and stuff. And I think some some of those, like, city things, the money's already spent, right? You right. know what I mean? So yeah. um, there was a couple things that I did like that that were, you know, felt safe and fine. So, but my point is it was like I felt lucky – I felt lucky to get a little glimmer of like the light before that second shutdown, you know. Yeah. And be able to actually play. It was like I think I'd be in a a worse mental state if I hadn't seen that little bit of light. So we were lucky like that, man. And once once we felt safe enough to kind of widen our pod a little bit, we were getting together to play, you know, like in the fall and stuff. Yeah. Just at the house and distancing and whatever. But you know, like we were doing that, so that felt good. And then I started working with Dazzle, um, yeah. doing this Sunday bread and jam thing where they're basically trying to um be a resource for musicians during this time so they're uh they're serving food down there musicians can ship basically dazzle during that second shutdown turn their whole um club into like a food pantry you know that awesome musicians could just show up and take from a couple days a week and it was cool. like you don't have to no questions asked you know they don't you don't have to show a union card <laughs> you know yeah, it's just right. like just show up and and so i was involved in that and started booking the bands that are um, on the Sunday Bread and Jam program. So that's kept me kind of busy. Awesome. You know, it feels good. Now people are actually coming out to the shows. Like That's great. A small amount of... You're getting people in to the club. Yeah. And live streaming, doing both. Yeah, we're doing both, which is cool because it's for everybody, right? If you feel comfortable just staying home, you can still enjoy the music. That's a cool part about what they do. Because um, they actually, you know, it's Dazzle, man. Like, they really care about giving music to the community and protecting the musicians, so... yeah. It's been cool, man. They're, they they keep it safe down there. You know, they follow the regulations. They're, 
I think they have like the like five star, you know, COVID rating or whatever. You know, they're like really over the top with it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like, you know, they keep everybody They've got cool. the badge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They got the, yeah, they got the badge, man. You know, I'm not COVID patrol. I'm just the MC. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. you're a fine MC. <laughs> yeah, man. You know. <laughs> uh, what, what is the plans going forward? for dazzle i mean are you going to keep booking sunday stuff after everything opens back up are you guys continuing to give out food what's been going on more recently yeah still doing the food thing and there's a lot of plans um some of which i don't want to i don't want to spoil before they are all set but i can tell you that what we're trying to do is turn it into sundays into like a jam when it's safe to do that you know what i mean because there's like you know, the pack died out. Obviously, there's a bunch of places that have, you know, things have just changed. So, so Dazzle, I think the idea is to give like a platform and a hang for musicians, you know, like, so what I want to eventually turn the Sunday thing into is like a jam. But for now, we got to keep only a certain amount of people on stage and stuff. So I'm just booking individual artists and bands, which has been great, man. Yeah. It's fun giving a platform to stuff that I think is cool. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. And, those people deserve to be working. So it's cool to be a part of it, man. I'm lucky that Dazzle called me about it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And as what I was kind of getting at before with you in the pandemic is you're a full-time musician. You didn't have um, an employee that could continue to pay. I mean, you didn't have an, anything else but the, but the music thing. Right. And that's how it's always been for you, I think, since you graduated high school, right? You've always been a musician. Yeah, before... Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you? How did that? How did that start? I mean, you graduated high school and then you immediately went on the road with Otis, right? That was pretty much right away. Yeah, I did. Um, I did some touring with a Mississippi blues band for a while, right out of high school. Like I think I went down to Mississippi in the fall, and yeah, I was running around with them for like however long, six months, something like that. And then Otis called, and then we started going to Europe, and I joined his band. So there was like a year between that, because I joined his band uh, when I was 19. And uh, by the time I was 20, we were like doing the Europe thing. So, but then ever since then, you've always got, like even when I was doing those gigs, you've always got your project on the side too, right? Yeah. And you never want it to be on the side. You right. know what I mean? Like, right, like, it, right. like, I know everybody's got their project and what everyone's an artist or whatever, you know, these days. But it's like, I don't know, man. You, I... I just couldn't like put that fire out, you know? So eventually when the Otis thing ended, it's like, I didn't really want to try to get another gig like that. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying I would have turned my nose up at it, but there wasn't really anything that was presenting itself. And I wanted to just kind of jump in with both feet to tour with like Taylor Scott Pan instead of doing, working around that. And it was hard, man. I, my bank account looked a hell of a lot fucking worse, (laughs) you know, for years, but it, you know, got to do my thing and to but yeah the, the pandemic i don't know man i've just been writing producing yeah. a little like we were talking earlier that's what's been keeping me afloat now how does uh how does a 17 year old guitar player in cheyenne wyoming end up with with these first opportunities that you were given um well we went to i don't i don't know man we had like a blues band and so we knew people in that scene and like still like a lot of the players around you know i don't know the, like the Otis thing, it, okay, there's, do you remember the Boulder Outlook? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so for those of you guys who don't know, the Boulder Outlook was this um, hotel in Boulder. 
But uh, instead of just a regular like restaurant in the basement or in, in the in the lobby, I mean, they did uh, they had a blues club, and it was called Blues and Greens. And actually, all these different like you know sort of mid level blues acts touring through the country would stop and play there, especially during the winter when there wasn't the festivals going on. Right. So anyway, we were a part of that scene. We were lucky to be in that scene as kids. You were there, you know. Yeah. Um, well, because you live like right up there. Yeah, right? yeah. My parents are in Louisville, so right, yeah, yeah, right down yeah. the road. Yep. Yeah. So we would, you know, we just met players through that and whatever. And anyway, Dan King was the owner of of the place. Um, it's gone now, but he was the owner of the place, and he was like good friends with Otis. So we played his gig all the time, and then Otis needed a guitar player, and Dan was like, "Dude, you should give this Taylor guy a call because he just he's growing up." You know what I mean? Like, he just got out of high school. I don't know what he's doing yet. And it worked out, you know? That's awesome. But that... we were already working. You know what I mean? Like, we were working for it. Yeah. You know, hustling already, trying to sell some tickets. You know, we have fucking dance moves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a total, total cheese ball. But we were like, we, but we believed in it. We were like pushing hard, you know what yeah. I mean? And a couple people were, a lot of people were really cool to like see that and, and extend a hand. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, and you and, try to do that for other people. And so. as a quick side note, I think the Boulder Outlook Hotel turned into Christian student housing for CU Boulder. Yeah, yeah. Well, all the things I did there weren't super Christian student housing appropriate, you know. <laughs> so you haven't been back, huh? <laughs> no, 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 man. I don't. It's hard for me to meet Christian girls. Yeah. You know, <laughs> even though I go to yuppie coffee shops every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's cool. You've you've been out doing it. I mean, since you were a teenager, you've been out playing and and playing with different artists around the scene, as you're saying. Um, at what point? I mean, as a kid, when you started playing, how old were you when you started playing? By the way, uh, nine, nine. So, at what point did you realize? Um, you know, you have a special aptitude for it that most people don't have. Even professional musicians don't have. And I mean, this the same way. That if you were to get up every morning when you were nine years old and say, I'm going to play basketball for 10 hours a day, you never could have made it to the NBA. There's, Fuck you, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> you never would have made it to the NBA. I could have been the next Bud Webb. There, there are, <laughs> <laughs> I think Muggsy Bogues, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's people that could have woken up at nine, eight, uh, at nine years old every morning and said, hey, I'm going to practice guitar for 10 hours a day right. and never get... To where to where you're at with it, not to discount all the hard work and blood, sweat, and tears you've put in, but there's some additional talent there that that you have also. Thanks, um, man. When at what age did you realize I'm good at this, and I, I don't? And the other kids on the playground, or there's not too many other kids on the playground that I, that can do what I do musically. Uh, I think for me, it was just that I was obsessed with it, and like I was obsessed with it from the very beginning. Okay, if you put an electric guitar in a nine-year-old boy's hands, show him a little power chord, or even don't, you know? Yeah. And turn that motherfucker up. Like, that's that's a surge of energy. So it's going to yeah. make, it's going gonna, it's gonna to excite you. So it, that excited me and made me, like, jump into trying to get good at the guitar right away or whatever, but I was, like, a child. So I was still spending, I still wanted to play sports. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I wanted to play flag football in sixth grade. You know what I mean? And then seventh and eighth, and maybe ninth grade, but I wanted to play football and basketball and still be cool and be like, you know, I'm going to do both. I'm going to, I don't know who I am yet. You know, I still yeah. don't know who, you know, but, yeah. but, um, it's like that whole thing shut down after like eighth grade, like the whole, any of that was like, you want me to show up during the summer and during the fall 
and like get ready for football season. And then during the winter, I'm going to be like lifting weights after school. The other kids are getting bigger. You know, my growth spurt was like two years ago. Yeah. You know, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I need to. I think there's one thing that I'm super duper obsessed with. And I think this other stuff is like fun and it's nice to learn teamwork. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, I'm not going to the fucking NBA, yeah. you know, and, and, the, and it became clear to me that like the obsession with music was taking over. Yeah. Because by then I was figuring out like not only the because at first it's just like I don't know what you started with. But at first for me, it was like rock and roll, dude. Right. Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, you know, like the early ACDC stuff like that's what I liked. But by the age I'm talking about eighth, ninth grade, I was figuring out blues and hearing yeah. that. Yeah. And that was a game changer, too. Um, cause who else was listening to that? Like other kids had Nirvana t-shirts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why was I obsessed with, uh, you know, Jimmy Rogers in right. the Muddy Waters band? Like, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. And was it the fact that you were progressing so quickly, the fact that you were good at it, did that make you even more into it? Or was there a, a couple, was there a, a moment for you, like at an ACDC solo where you said, man, this is it for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a guitar teacher, like, you know, little kid, nine, 10, 11 years old, guitar lessons, half an hour, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and his name was Scott Turner. And, uh, I don't know where Scott is now, but, um, he was a great teacher for me because we liked the same music. Yeah. He loved old school rock and roll. That's what he played. You know, he wasn't like a theory guy. It wasn't like that. He was just, which is, was kind of good yeah. for me at that age. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I, uh, <laughs> It would have been helpful, you know what I mean? Like, later on down the line, like, it could have been helpful. But I didn't really care about that stuff. Like, I wanted to play some rock and roll, and he understood that. So he was just a good teacher for me. And he also played drums and bass. And so he had a deluxe reverb like you've got. Yeah. Uh, and I remember thinking at the time that that amp wasn't as loud as it actually is, which is funny when you're a kid, like, shit isn't loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that what I mean? It's loud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he had one of those, and he kind of cranked it to, like, you know, the breaking points a little bit. And we were playing some rock and roll song, and actually I know what song it was, which I knew, but I was about to be embarrassed to say, but I do not care. It was Cat Scratch Fever by Ted yes. Nugent. You know that one? Yeah. Bum, bum, ba-da, 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 that yeah, one? Yeah. The double stops? Uh, I've heard you cover that one. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> not, I, I got a parody of it. Um, yeah, but it was that, and he said, keep playing that, and he sat down on the drums and just kicked a you know four on the floor. And I felt like my whole, I felt like I levitated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know how old I was, but I was young, like pro, like old enough to play Cat Scratch Fever in time with a drummer. <laughs> so yeah. however old that was. Yeah. But I felt like my feet lifted up off the ground and I still feel that. And I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11 or something, you know, yeah. maybe nine. I don't know. Yeah. And so that was when it was like, oh, there's something here, man. I don't know if it's that I'm good at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But something clicked, yeah. You know, like it felt natural and super it's a exciting. spiritual thing for you, right? Like I, the fact that I can remember—I don't remember shit. The first half of my life, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I remember li- you remember little things, right? But there's certain feelings that will still like well up in you, and I yeah. have that with, with that. You know what I mean? It's like that—that that wonder as a kid too is. If you were to lose that feeling, would you quit playing music? Yeah, but well, I don't know because. I've I've lost that feeling before for short periods of time. Right. Um, so I can't say that I would quit. I would. I think if that light went out forever, I don't know how I would know that. But if I knew that internally, then maybe I would quit. Yeah. But the light's gone out before. I think anybody who says it never, ever does or ever has is full of shit. Yeah. You know, like 
because the business really it take really you. drains you. Yeah. yeah, and it's like like neither of us are like famous. We don't have you know people. It's not like oh uh, you know you have to deal with fortune and fame and that it's it's like the opposite um (laughs) you know uh but it's like you know some of my facebook friends dig it you know no i'm just kidding i'm lucky but but yeah so i don't know man it's like there are times where the business gets to you people telling you what to do yeah that gets to you yep um feeling like you need to play to the middle or like you're pressured to do that that gets to you right um all that stuff kind of crushes that spirit and I, i think you have to actively combat that yeah. As a creative person. Yeah. And sometimes you don't do a great job at that because you're locked up in who knows what the fuck else. And right. Then, so sometimes I've, I've had the light go out, man. And you're like, I've never thought I'm going to quit and go get a job. I've just thought, I guess this is what I do now is I'm just, I still do this, but I'm less happy about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Maybe that's not how I normal. feel. Maybe I'm a normal person. Yeah, now. exactly. Ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. But that's not how I feel in my heart. You know, it's just like a thing that happens. And Would you? Would you, it, would you quit? No. Like, how would you know? Well, that it was out forever. You know what I mean. If it was out forever, I'd try. I'd try to find something else that was. But it, uh, you know, like you, it's been out for short periods of time. Or I get really down on myself about things, or, or let things get to me that shouldn't. Oh, dude. But but then you get back. I mean, you then then that moment happens again. That cat scratch fever moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you finish the next song that's actually good or whatever. It's man. like, man, this is this is it. I think about what I think about though is the fact that my work is also in a lot of ways my greatest purpose for living. Yeah. Like it's what keeps me up at night. What gets me out of bed in the morning. Of course, I have a. A great family. I mean, I have a million other things to be thankful for, but that's what drives the fire for me. And I don't, I have trouble understanding people, most people, who the nine, the job hmm. is just how they make money and they find satisfaction somewhere else. I don't understand not trying to go after it all the time. And I know we can't all do that. And I do things that I don't want to do just to make money sometimes, but. Do you ever feel that like, hey, I'm, I'm pursuing what I want to pursue most of my day. That's my nine to five. I mean, could you ever picture being a computer programmer and doing music when you got home? No. I mean, no. And it's never, it's never been on the t- – even, even throughout the pandemic, you know, I was lucky to – we were all lucky – that they did the right thing without unemployment for independent contractors and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that helped a little bit while it lasted. And But I was lucky to get some work and things like that and be able to make some money. And people sent in money on those virtual tips. I mean, people were really generous. Yeah. So I was lucky. That said, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like that's not the case, but that said, even during the pandemic, man, it's like, man, I worry that it, I would never go back. I would worry that, cause I think comfort is bad for people. Cause I, okay. Yeah. I, I think comfort's bad for me. I'll say that, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. being overly comfortable turns into settling, which turns into fear of being uncomfortable, which turns into the whole cycle. Like that's how it works for me too. Even whether yeah. we're talking about music or life or whatever. Right. So the idea of, to me of being like, oh, cause I've never been secure money wise, like personally, right. you know what I mean? Now I'm fine. You know, I have a house. It's cool. But you know how it is. It, it comes in and out. You don't always know what you're making next year. And that's right. like its own thing. Right. So the idea of having that security is really appealing in some ways. Of course. But it makes me worry about getting so used to that. Because that's what you're saying, right? You know those people who are so used to that that they can't even conceive how you live. 
and vice versa. And it's not that either of us are wrong, but it's like, yeah, it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> some people in that world are really cool, but sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a different species. You know, yeah. that's why we all hang out, right? That's why we you all know? hang out. <laughs> I've always wondered. Um, and you actually kind of started talking about it a little bit earlier with your childhood guitar lessons. I always, I always wonder with people like you who do some really advanced musical things with your band, and you know you're not just playing cowboy chords up there, mm-hmm. um, and you're soloing. You're using a lot of different modal things, a lot of different ideas. What is your knowledge of theory? If you were, is it something that you just feel, or if you were given like a college theory exam? Would you pass it? I mean, what's your what's your book knowledge of of music theory? I would not pass a college theory exam. You know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I have so many friends, but you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know I, I I don't know. I know I know what it sounds and colors like, and that's how I think of it. And I don't mean that in a hippie way. I just mean like that's kind of how I learn. I learn intervals as colors and emotions. You know, mm-hmm. and obviously everything is made up of those intervals. You know. Yeah. So as far as chord theory, piecing it together from that. But I never took, it wasn't, I never had like a linear, you know, time where I studied that. It was like my, the guitar teacher that eventually became like my mentor, like my adult, like my real, not childhood, you know, guitar teacher. But Dave Beagle who yeah. became like my, you know, mentor a little bit more, you know, in, in maturing. Um, before I went to him when I was like 15, I didn't know anything at all. Like, you know how yeah. guitar players are, man. We get taught guitar as shapes yeah. a lot of the time. Right. Especially rock guitar or, like you said, cowboy core guitar or whatever, you know? Right, right. You get taught it just as, like, physical shapes, and sometimes that shit is not explained to you at all, you know, as opposed to, like, piano lessons aren't like that, you know? No. You're not even reading music, you know what I mean? Like, in the guitar world a lot of the time. Right. So, I, I don't. Um, I mean, I could read chord charts, but, like, I don't read staff, you know? Yeah. And... You know modes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But yeah. that's what I'm saying is like Dave Beagle like helped me out with that stuff and chord theory and yeah, modes, intervals, just how all that works. And I just try to build melodies, man, and harmonies, obviously. But it's like What's an example of a of a color interval relationship for you? Well, like uh I tell people to use if they want to use a color or an emotion or anything that it makes them feel. I'm gonna say an emotion instead of a color if that's okay. But like Yeah. The one that comes to mind is like the major seven, you know, against the one. To me, just to me, sounds like like all the tension and the longing. It sounds like longing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It sounds almost like hope because right. it wants to go. You know where it wants to go. You know what I mean? It's like so close but so far away. That's yeah. how it feels to me. I still know how a major seven functions, but like that's how I think of it when I'm playing. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's that one note. Everyone else is where they belong, and there's one note that's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, I don't know, man. But I have I have friends who are such music theory whizzes, and you know what I mean, so schooled in that way. You yeah. know what I love about it is that I can talk to them. You know what I mean? I can be like, dude, do you, what do you hear about? Maybe we sub this chord. You know what I mean? What do you hear? And then I learned from that. Yeah. That's another thing. You just learn by playing and being on the road. You know how that is and doing yeah. gigs. Right. You have to develop an ear. Right. You know? Because um, you expect that of other people too. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think I could pass a fucking course in anything. You know? <laughs> the last time I did that, I was 18 years old. And most of that was gratuitous passing. My teachers just kind of wanted me to get the hell out of there. You know? <laughs> they wanted to just give you the t- sheet of paper and let you go on your way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just playing. I was playing and doing stupid high school stuff. <laughs> you know? And that was the last time I took a test on anything. 
Well, it's nice of them to do that because yeah. they could <laughs> clearly nice. see, no, no, I don't, they clearly could they clearly could see you were going off to do things. Yeah, and just because it wasn't math or science, yeah, um, isn't a bad thing. They so were cool. Yeah. My math teacher, I think I might have told you this story. Gave before. you a guitar. Yeah, gave me a guitar. I mean, he he had, he waited till after he retired and I graduated, so it wasn't like inappropriate or whatever. But he he was cool. We shared a sense of humor. We just connected. He could tell that I was whatever, however you just put it, like I was I was working towards something. Yeah. And his father had passed away and had this old Gretsch, this 64 hollow body Sal Salvador model. He sends me home with it to restring it and then just told me, like, do you like it? Well, then don't bring it back, you know? Like, that's wow. amazing, man. So I'm lucky in ways like that, you know what I mean? Like, we, we all have these... This thing we do is a struggle, but it's like people do shit like that for you because they see it in you. That's another thing that gives you – like I don't like to li- overly listen to compliments or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you can tell somebody actually genuinely sees something or feels something, you know what I mean, in you or about you. Yeah. Um, especially somebody you value. Like you take that shit seriously because when you're asking about how do you know, like when it – how do you know this is what I'm going to do? Yeah. You know, there's shit like that too and people – it means something, man, you know? Yeah. Don't hold back those words, like, if you are if you have those people in your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, T- to take or to give. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, well, we'll have to get into your newest release shortly, um, which is Live at the Belly Up. And for the Colorado listeners, no, not that Belly Up. <laughs> um, but you, you know, after you've been pursuing your own project the whole time, you've been doing the Taylor Scott thing, your whole your childhood, your whole adult life, whole adult life too. Through the groups you've been playing with, you've been writing songs, different incarnations of the band, um, and you've been putting out stuff. But you did your first, I would say, big record, if that's fair to say. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. With uh, with Steve Berlin. Yeah. Um, and that's still. I mean, it's been. I what it's been a couple years since it came out, right? Yeah. Um, but it's still fresh. It's still the the studio album. Yeah, totally. You know. That was like, like you said, we've been, I mean, I've been recording and releasing music since I was a kid. Like we all have, you know. Yeah. But at one point we find, we got the producer, right? Like I never even had a producer before that. And I wasn't really super interested in it unless it was definitely the right person. Cause you know how weird that can get. You right. Know? Um, and whatever Steve, like it came up and he, he heard something that we, a local release, like you said, we do, you know how it was. Remember being that age, especially, and we'll probably talk the same way about us now and five years but like being that age and trying to figure out the scene and spotify is kind of new and you're trying to figure out like how do i release music how does this work do we make eps remember we'd all like sit around and scheme like i think it's eps now man i think what i'm gonna start doing is eps yeah you do one ep and then like it's already they've moved yeah yeah they i know and and navigating that in the music business it's still weird but it was especially weird at that time and for those of us who didn't have like a great manager as guidance or whatever at the time. Like yeah. I sure as hell didn't. I don't know if you did. You know, you have a couple friends in the business, so do I. But I didn't have somebody like guiding my career. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I forgot what the hell we were talking about. Where was this? Going? How did? You, <laughs> me too. No. Yeah. How did you? How did you first get connected with Steve? And oh yeah, Steve. I guess, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In alignment with what you just said, why did you do a full length in in 2019? Yeah, yeah. So that's what it was. Um, so we were releasing EPs, whatever. He got a hold of an EP that uh, we had just recently released, and he dug it, and he said, "Yeah, let's go to work." And we and I, it happened really quickly. How did you get it to him? 
Um, we were at a Los Lobos show with my manager at the time, and he went. He knew whoever you know was hanging backstage and gave Steve the record, which and he is, listened to, which it. is his job. Yeah, you know. By the way, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. manager doing that's a, a great an, job. Yeah, that's an old manager. It was you know he did one thing right. Yeah, you know, by mistake. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, um, whatever. Uh, Steve. Uh, Steve liked the record, man. So he called, and it was like, this is the first producer I've wanted to work with. You know what I mean? And, and how cool is that, too? Not to cut you off, but how often do these producers... Because Steve's done a ton of stuff for different artists. He does a lot of Los Lobos stuff. He's on Jackie Green. Could go on and on. Oh, yeah. Like, the fact that he even listened to it, even though you had some... Even though you you had, whatever, two degrees of separation from him to get him that record, how cool is that that he even... Listen to it, because surely he's been given plenty of records that he didn't listen to. Yeah, I happen to know that he was shown a video by okay. somebody in the room. Okay. Um, which I think may have, if it was hopefully a decent video, I guess it must have been. Got it, him to listen. Yeah, like, okay, this isn't just like some random bullshit. Or it could be, but at least there might be some funky guitar playing on it or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But um, you're right. It's cool that he listens. Steve is a music nerd, man. It was like any great producer, you know, like he, he'll go deep. And he's not worried about your connections. Like, he was my connection. He was my first connection. The manager that I have now, which yeah. is a real manager, yeah. you know, yeah. finally. Yeah. Um, not that I don't, I mean, I'm glad I went through all the shit I went through because I learned. But, yeah. you know, but I finally have a, a good manager, a real, real, um, real music business connect. But I got that through Steve. Steve was, like, my connection to these people that now, like, kind of run my life. <laughs> yeah. In a great way. You know what yeah. I mean? Um yeah, and like that's allowed me to open up as an artist and not, you know how it is, man, yeah. self-managing. And it's great. You have to do it. You have to learn. Or man, or having somebody who doesn't do a good job or doesn't know what they're doing. And you're you're constantly, you're doing that too. And yeah. driving the damn van to Omaha yeah. or yeah. whatever, you Literally know what I mean? Literally driving and, the van. Yeah, and everything. Yeah. So um, anyway, Steve helped me out with all that. He was like my connection. I didn't have like... I don't have a dad or an uncle that is in the music business. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you, you're the same way. Yeah. It's like, I got legs up from people who um, intentionally, like, did that for me, which is the shit, you know? We owe them. You've always been, I feel like you've been a perfectionist with your music business. Um, you know, as you were just talking about going through managers, I remember you going through, I can remember... Two. Two, two, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Two managers that you had for a, a somewhat extended period of time, and I remember... You know, we were, I was, we were hanging out, um, I guess, since probably you were still a teenager and I was barely in my 20s. Nick Clark, who's been on the podcast twice, yeah. barely, uh, definitely still a teenager. Snowy Range Music Festival was still happening. Snowy Range yeah. Music Festival is still happening in Laramie. <laughs> By the way, if you want to go to that festival for my house, hang a ride on Wadsworth and drive for two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it's... You've always been a perfectionist with your business. I remember when you had that first manager, Nick and I and, you know, AJ, whoever else we were hanging out with at the time, were like, whoa, Taylor's got a manager. And you, I remember when you pulled the plug on that first one, you're like, this isn't working. I'm going with something else. And we were seeing some of the opportunities you were getting from that manager. I was like, but Taylor had a manager. Mm -hmm. What is he doing? And then, and then you popped up a few weeks later with something better that yep. worked better for you. For and the then, time. Yeah. And then you did it again. And I, I remember, I mean, I, you know, chatting, chatting with Nick, be like, man, Taylor got it, had a manager that's doing some cool shit I'd like to do. And he just dumped that manager <laughs> and when, or not even dumped, but 
you know what I mean, yeah. said, hey, this isn't working for me. I need to make a left turn here. Mm -hmm. How intuitive is that for you when you need to make a left turn? And how do you know when, when you need to make it? Well, both of those cases, um, I would love to take credit for more of the intuition than I had at the time. But yeah. they were there were huge red flags waving in my face for a while. And I have a problem... I have a problem letting people go. I'll just say that. So, like, I don't mean firing people. I mean, like, as a human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I always want to give somebody who I care about and who I feel like cares about me the benefit of the doubt. And that's, like, definitely that flag has flown in my face more than once. <laughs> yeah. Um, but both of these scenarios where people were being, these people were being, like, blatantly dishonest to, a, I could tell you some stories. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, like, crazy unacceptable stuff you know what i mean right. that's just like i'm, I'm not going to tell you the stories but that, yeah well, not right now but yeah we know you yeah i have to say it on the night yeah about. yeah but but you know like and so honestly man i i appreciate you applauding me for it but it was like both times it was kind of like this has to happen you know like yeah. i felt like this person is going to fuck me over like they're already fucking me over and they're going to fuck me over worse and i like like both both instances also included people who were outsiders from the music business until they met me. Yeah. And then I just like appreciated their tenacity or whatever, you know. And then but people get a big head. You ask somebody to make some phone calls and field some emails for you, you know what I mean? And and you pay them and 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 then all of a sudden they're the manager, man, and like their head can't fit through the door because you're opening for somebody that's cool or whatever. Right. And then they just grow teeth and claws. Man, it had like seriously. And then they probably I'm sure they say whatever they want to say about me, you know what I mean? Which is fine. But yeah. um they're not on your podcast right now. So you know. Um it's <laughs> like so anyway, point is I was backed into a corner both times on a moral level. You know what I mean? Right. And like an on an ethical level, I guess I should say. And that's happened to me in a couple of different instances and all I always wish I had acted sooner, but Monday morning quarterback and you know what I mean? Like Yeah. What are you gonna do? You acted soon enough. Yeah. I stopped I stopped these people from destroying me, which You acted, yeah, I guess. Yeah. We could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, man, but I'm lucky now. I but you got to go through that, or you don't know when you're lucky. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Because I thought I was, you know, and I was lucky then, and in, in another way. But yeah. you know, you got to go through it. Absolutely. Just like we were talking about shitty gigs earlier. Yeah. You got to do them, or you're probably gonna suck. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Got to go through that. So that's how I feel about it. I ain't mad at anybody. And so with with Steve, you guys decide to do this record together. How did it all come together? And what kind of a producer? is Steve. What's he like in the room? Uh, Steve is really dry. Um, like his sense of humor, his whole vibe. He's yeah. very uh, to the point, Steve, yeah. which I like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's very he's very to the point. Uh, he's uh, terse, especially not at first, though. At first, he'll be he'll be he'll make you feel good, which I appreciated very much as it was my first time not running the show, you know? Right. Um, but now that we've worked together, I guess I know I'm on a different level now, but he, now it's like, what are you thinking? This is what I'm thinking. Cool. Let's do that. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, so, but, but at first it was like, man, we, we had been on the road a bunch. The particular group of guys that were in the studio, mm -hmm. um, had been on the road a bunch. So these tunes were ready to roll. You know what I'm saying? Then Steve comes in and he'll take all the coolness of that, but he might want to cut he might want to turn something before the chorus into the a bar of six. And you're like, well, I wouldn't have even thought of that. 
well, now we have to relearn this right now on the fly in the studio that we've played like for the past six months, yeah. hundreds of times. And I love that energy. Yeah. I love when players can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love that being asked of me. Yeah. Not always. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I love the idea of it. Um, so he's like that and like hands on in that way. He also just knows how to be whatever kind of producer he needs to be. I've heard him talk about this before. We're like, sometimes he's not that hands on. You right. know what I mean? It, personalities in the room, right? I try to be somewhat malleable once I trust you. And I trusted him like right away. You know, after the first couple of tracks we did, it was like, okay. This Whatever is he says is probably a good idea. Yeah, exactly. And there was stuff that at first you're like, I don't know, man. I I don't know if I want to change that. You know what I'm saying? You kind of clam up. You know how it is. Like yeah. you're the artist, you're like, I wrote that. I've played it that way a hundred times. I've learned to let that shit go. I mean, there's certain lines in the sand, right? There are times that you go, and he respects that. There are times I'm like, Steve, I really, I really want this. This is just kind of part of it for me. But yeah. that's not very often. Not at all. You Did know? you? So you didn't have a time where you said, we're not putting a bar of six there. That's no, it. No, we've never fought. Wow. Um, you know, knock on wood or whatever. <laughs> but, but no, we've, ne- like, we've never fought. We've, um, there's, we don't always agree on everything, but like... I try to either, like, if there's a track he's not into, like a song that he's not into of mine, it's like, that's fine, you know? It doesn't mean it sucks, you know? Does he uh, tell, has he told you, like, I don't like this one? Uh, he doesn't say it like that, but there's stuff that, it's like, you when you pick tracks, you're more into this than that. And I try to, you know how that is, you get, everything's so personal for us. You're like, but I wrote that from my heart, so it must be, yeah. they must all be equally good, even though, that's how right. you feel, even though your head tells you that's ridiculous. Right. You know? But we've never, like... It's just always been cool. I just trust him. And after that first record and how well it was received, like, I don't know, man. It just feels like it feels right. And it feels like a uh, like a we kind of have like we've like branded a sound a little bit. You know what I mean? I don't mean branded like marketing. I just mean like you have there's something. kind of a thing. Yeah. And I like what it brings. So if I want to do my acoustic stuff or whatever. I could do that how I want to do it. But for like the Taylor Scopian thing, we're kind of creating something. Yeah. And I trust his ear and I trust like his influences. You know what I mean? Like when you talk about music with somebody, you know, pretty quick, okay, we're on the same level on this stuff. Like we're, we're both into this. Yeah. You obviously have these interests that I'm like way behind on. And you maybe aren't super into this thing that I really love. Like we all have that stuff. Like we could sit here and talk about like what holes we would fill. You know what I mean? Right. And, I like that dynamic. I like that some of the shit we align on is just like, you love that, and I love that, and more of that. But then he'll come up with stuff that's like, I never heard that record. You know? Yeah. I never would have thought to do that. And that's my favorite shit ever. Right? right? You know, it's like, never heard this before, and it just became one of my favorite songs or for the week or whatever. I love that, man. Yeah. You know, like the last guy I found like that was like Dan Reader. I don't know if we've talked yeah, about yeah, Dan yeah, Reader. Yeah. But it's like, I heard Clean Elvis and... I was like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? And then I just, he was like all I listened to for two, like six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. So st- I, li- I like that we're not exactly the same. He's bringing new stuff to the table. I just trust his ear, you know? Are you still working together on, on the next one and the next one? Dude, I might have to play you some tracks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, awesome. When we're done later. They're, they're actually on their way to, to mix right now. Cool. Um, we just did two singles. We're taking it slow. We, you know, and you and I were talking before, or I guess we were on the podcast at this point, but we're talking about... Um, That's the 12, McAllen's 12 is oh, doing dude, that I'm to not you. Even, That's... Not even. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, maybe in a minute. Um, but anyway, like, we're not rushing to make a record. 
we can't tour right now. Hopefully mm-hmm. we will in the summer. We have dates. We just announced Floyd Fest today. Mm-hmm. Um, and But right now, it's not. we're not ru- rushing to make a record. It's like, let's make some singles. Like you've been doing, put some stuff out, have yeah. stuff that you can put out. And you can also label shop and whatever on the back end yeah. with that stuff. So that's kind of where we're at. But we are recording. And I've been writing... Like crazy. And it's time to start playing again, dude. Gigs are starting to pop back up. It's right. like I'm about to start calling weekly, you know, hangs or whatever to start getting this new material done. Yeah. It takes on a different energy after you play it, you know, a few times. Right. Absolutely. Well, so you're you're kind of in a spot in your career right now. I mean, when you look at when you I don't want to say the bottom, but when you look at the whole pond of of indie musicians or even just Denver indie musicians, right? You're going out, playing gigs everywhere. You're still doing some of that stuff. But you also have sort of started creating your own pond or leveled up or whatever you want to call it because you now, ha- you now have a team around you. Mm. You know, um, you've got – you're with Madison House, right? Yeah. You've got a booking agent. You've got management. You've got publicity. You've got radio. There's a team. Yeah. So that's – I don't know what the word is besides level up, and I don't want to use that, but – you're you've got that now um yeah but but still not quite at that level where taylor scott announces a show and 250 tickets are sold everywhere in the country or 500 tickets are sold everywhere in the country right how do you feel about the spot you're at right now i mean how how do you feel in general about where you're at and where you're trying to go man it's it's weird because if you'd asked me that question a year ago Obviously, the answer would be very fucking different. You know what I yeah, mean? Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, man. You know, we got we we got signed on a Madison House about six months before the shutdown. So you know what that means is stuff was starting to happen. Like yeah. we were pl- we we you know we got the Floyd Fest gig. Now we got it back for this year. But you know that we get we get we were starting to get gigs like that. We were starting to get booked out in the southeast because even Madison House. Uh, obviously as their office in Boulder is the main one, but there's a Nashville office. And our agents that are our main, like like that head up our team are in Nashville. So the Southeastern connection is is heavy and that's like a place that I've been wanting to get for a long time because every time we do get out there just a little bit, the response is really good. Yeah. And I just like that part of the country like we were talking before. Yeah. And so there was stuff popping up is the point like that I had been working towards for a long time. Even the fact to get a, to get a booking agent, you know how this is. People think, people don't understand how the music business works, which is good, like lucky you, you know. Yeah, yeah. But like, people just, you know that question at Thanksgiving from like your grandma's friend where it's like, so how does that work? Like you just... Let me explain it to you yeah, in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, lady, I don't even know. You yeah, know, I've yeah, been yeah. doing this since I was 15. <laughs> no, just kidding. Ask questions, family. I'm just just talking a little shit. I love Thanksgiving dinner with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, stuff was starting to happen. We had worked towards it, and you know how hard it is to get an agent, and especially a great agent. Right. You know, they got in the room with us and heard us play at Americana Fest. Like, you know, stuff was happening. We were at Americana Fest. You know how it, yeah. stuff was happening, man. And then obviously what happened happened. And I feel I have mixed feelings about where I sit right now because it's like the industry has obviously been decimated, but the passion for it has never been greater. Yeah. So it's the, you know what I mean? Like it's this weird thing where people are problem solving and and trying to figure out how to carry on. But a lot of people have quit. A lot of people have been shut down, you know, by force, you know, we're running out of money, whatever it is, the venues or musicians. 
And we're a band because we're not on that level that you're talking about where you can announce a show and boom, you know, you've got, like you said, 250, 500 tickets sold all over the country. Well, guess what? That's a lot of people to try to put in the venue. And that costs a lot of money to get that boat moving. You know what those guys make versus what we make. It's a huge difference. It's enormous. So my point is one of the like kind of bits of optimism that I've had my eye on since this whole thing is if we can pull through we can get out there on the road. We can go to Omaha for X amount of dollars that the club can actually afford. And guess what? These bigger rooms that have cut down capacity. You can fill them now. Exactly. And you're seeing that. Like, you're seeing that already. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So I feel I feel really weird having lost, seemingly like lost the, not seemingly, fuck that. We lost the momentum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody lost the momentum. Yeah. And that feels crappy, but what am I going to do about it? You know, right. have a rally, you know, we're going to march. Protest. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. You know, yeah. so now it's like, here's the, the new, the new, the, the new thing is some people are out. And those of us who have sat here and are in this position, we are chomping at the bit and people are chomping at the bit to come out in here. Yeah. I see people. Do you see people paying more attention sometimes? Like there's a lot of noise online, the election, all that stuff was hard. Yeah. But have you noticed like. Even just friends. You know those friends that normally wouldn't pay attention? Right. Like, I had a gig in Cheyenne during the pandemic, but, like, uh, at one of the quieter moments, you know? Yeah. And there was a line out the fucking door, and there were people... I looked out in the audience and saw people that I went to high school with that would never have come to see me. It was a show. Yeah. Yeah. It was... But, like... And same thing when you look at your social media and stuff. Like, it's not the numbers are all the way up, but you notice different, you just notice different patterns. Yeah. Like, I feel like people are just a little more, um, they're, people are, some people are super callous to our lifestyle, but some people are like kind of feeling it, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. I notice p- people paying attention to the music differently. Do you think that'll have a permanent effect or do you think that's going to die down no. four months after everyone can see a show? I don't know the timeline, but no, it's not going to have a permanent effect. You know how people are. Yeah. You know, <laughs> including us. Yeah. We're not going to, we're going to, because in five years, we're going to be bitching about the load in, you know what I mean? Or, yeah, yeah. or yeah, yeah. we got to carry this organ up the stairs, you sure. know what I mean? Or whatever. You take those things for granted. We all do. It's going to happen no matter what. You try to battle that like intentionally, mm-hmm. but it's, come on, look at what we were, we all felt, we were all like fat before and we didn't even realize like, like we, we weren't, you know, we were complaining about pay and this and that, not everywhere folks, but you know, Someplace. privately. You, sure. Yeah. And, and, and now look at us. It's like. We, you know, we, again, the bitching about the load in that stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. that's why, and like you and I were talking earlier, it's like, I can't stand the complaining. You know what I mean? Like that old joke keeps ringing in my ears lately. Uh, how do you, you want to hear a musician complain? Just give him a gig, you know? Yeah. It's like, I can't stand the complaining, man. Right. It's like, you got to sing behind plexiglass. I know it's annoying. I don't want to hear my voice projected back <laughs> on that either. But are you kidding me? We're here playing music, dude. Yeah. And there's somebody smiling at me from yeah. 25 feet away, but still. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't complain about the load in. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's it's. Do you yeah. see the light at having this team around you, even though you lost momentum? Are you at a point now where you see the light at the end of the tunnel and the light being being able to tour the country and fill up clubs everywhere you go? It could be any size. I'm 250, 500, 1,000. Do you start to see that? I mean, there's. You know, you're you don't have that. Oh man, will I ever get a booking agent? Will I ever get management? Am I good enough for that? You already know you are. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people die there too. Yeah. Well. Okay. So how do you feel about? Like, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel, or does it feel just as hard for you now as it did three years ago? Do you mean relating to like coronavirus or just 
career as a your musician. Your career as a musician and getting to, getting to where you want to be. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think the goal always seems to. I don't know how to answer that, man. I feel like a lot of times the goal seems to continually get further as you move forward. <laughs> yeah. You know, because your expectations change, right? Like your values don't really change. But I don't know, like the things you want, even just like people get old and they want to live in a house of, of a certain size or whatever if they can, or they want to, you know, I don't know, not wake up early in the morning, whatever, you know? So I don't know. It's like there's always going to be new goals. All I know is that I'm getting to play music with a lot of different really cool people. Yeah. And I'm getting to diversify. Like, Taylor Scott Band is the main thing, but I'm getting to produce, you know, I'm getting to, like, the Cass Clayton stuff. I'm writing acoustic and, and just playing, even even whatever material it is. Like, I have a strong acoustic game right now that I'm prepared to pull out whenever, and yeah. that makes me happy. I'm not just stuck like, dude, just play a bunch of guitar solos, or, dude, never do that and just write songs, or... Stand or never lead the band or always lead the band. I'm really lucky to be like kind of have my hand in a couple different things that make me happy. Yeah. So I'm trying to focus on that, but also keep in mind that what I really want, man, is to be on the road like consistently, you know, like at least half the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't mean one, like six months, one half of the year, but throughout the year, half the days, I don't want to be home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At least like and, that's and paying your bills. Definitely, that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's a given. Yeah, that's what I want, man. And like, I was, we were really working towards that. We weren't out for half the year, but the booking agency thing, we got some festivals going on. It was like, okay, if we we can make a good enough impression, that's always the thing, right? You can't just be like, okay, we got the gig, it's over, motherfucker. Like, that's where the work starts. You know what I'm saying? But we're so used to that weird hybrid musician business manager thing, yeah, and all that. That sometimes you. Honest to God, man, sometimes you forget how important the gig is when, especially when you're like, sell, when you're running everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had that happen to me all the time. I'd get to the gig and I'd play like crap and I'd be mad. Like, you should have spent more time. You know what I mean? And it's like, how could I have spent more time? But, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I just want to be playing all the time so that that's not how I feel. <laughs> just right. playing all the time. You know. Is what does. Well, first off, is there a timeline for you? I mean, if you're, is there a party that's like, okay, if I haven't gotten past this level by the time I'm 50, I'm gonna. No, because things like this happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That I can't possibly know. You know what I mean? uh, Coronavirus is an obvious macro example, but who knows what else happens to you? I don't want to jinx it by listening examples, but it's like, I just don't know. I don't think I could do that. And also, I don't know what the hell else I would do. What would you do? I don't know what I would do. I am not qualified. I cannot stop cussing for long enough to be on your podcast almost. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I know I could change my ways, you know, or whatever, but I'm like, I don't know what I would do. I don't have any other skills. Right. I'm good at hanging out. I'm really good at chilling. You know what I mean? Like, with people. I'm good to talk to. You know what I mean? I could do yeah. that. Maybe I could be a bartender, but yeah. I'd have to learn how to bartend because yeah. the pours that I make for myself at home. I would not fly. Yeah, yeah, they would the not bar. fly. They'd be bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what what does the ultimate Taylor Scott look like? If you're out on the road with your band, like this on, baby, on your yeah, like this, <laughs> you look good. No, uh, in terms of the ultimate tour, obviously, you're always you always have new goals. That's what keeps you motivated. You right. always have new things that you want to do. And obviously, at the end of the day, the important thing is that you made other people happy with your with your music um, and made yourself happy. But yeah. what does that? ultimate tour look like for you where you'd be like okay i've 
I've made it. Oh, I don't know. I think, you know what? I, I don't know, man. I think you and I are similar on this, or at least we used to be. I haven't seen you in a year. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember talking about this when we were like a few years younger. And so we'll see if you still feel this way, because I do. Yeah. Uh, the size of the music venue doesn't matter so much to me as long as the quality is there, right? Like, I don't want to play at fill-in-the-blank uh, bar. You know Red what I'm Rocks saying? for I, 25 people. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not trying to be snooty or whatever. I'm just saying that this is my goal, so it can be whatever I want people, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to be playing. It doesn't have to be Red Rocks, you know what I mean? But I want to be playing music venues consistently across this country, really across the world. You know me, man. I love that. I yeah. love the travel. Uh, yeah. But that where people are showing up and paying to hear you. Yeah. That's yes. all. I don't care if it's 25 people and I'm playing an acoustic guitar and the next night it's a thousand people and you're playing with the funk band. Like, that's just what I want. And I want to be able to make my life revolve around that because then it can revolve around the music. Because then every day sound checks at four different city or whatever but like you've got that consistency and you can be on the road at that level by the way you at least have enough in the budget typically to have a tour manager you're not the one behind the wheel 24 7 literally and figuratively all that stuff it's just like you can focus on the music which is all i want i love driving i don't mind emailing people it's not that it's that i want to be singularly focused the way that some people i know can be Absolutely. To be your best. Absolutely. Well, and you hit the nail on the head, too. Whatever the venue size is, if people are actually coming and paying to see you, that's really cool. Yeah, you know how it is. And, you, and, you're, and you're doing enough to be comfortable. Yeah. You Sometimes know. the house concert is the best gig. Absolutely. You know how it is, man. Absolutely. And you don't, you don't know that if you haven't been on the road. You know what I mean? But it's like... Sometimes that's the best one, you know? So yep. I'm into it, man. The intention being there, like people being there for it. Yeah. So you can bring it to them, like, and do your best. You know, that's all I want to do, man. I swear to God. Like, I could live in the house that I have right now. I don't want to live here forever, but, that you know, that that size of home or whatever, you could transplant that wherever I want to go. I'm cool with that, man. Yeah. I'm chilling. I don't have some crazy aspirations, you yeah. know, and so, like money-wise or whatever. I know that's part of it, but. Right. I don't know. I just want to serve the music like all the time. And that maybe sounds cheesy, but really like I just want to wake up and be, and for it to be okay with just being obsessed with that. Yep. You know what I mean? And then you party and have a good time and hang out with friends. Cause that's the other thing I'm passionate about is just people. That's why we're one of the reasons we do this. You know what I mean? So that's why I have a podcast, right? The hang man. Like that's my favorite thing. That's why I love being on the road. I have like little groups of friends and communities from around the country. And in some cases like the Western world, that's, that makes me so happy. You know what I mean? Like that. Makes... Isn't that one of the coolest things when you go to you know that small town in Idaho or whatever, and, and they you know have you. a few friends, mm. even if it's just five or six, that you know you're going to hang out with, yeah, and have a beer with. Or that's so cool. Yeah, the bartender maybe knows your drink. You know what I mean? Like yeah. stuff like that. It's just yeah. like it's a cool life, man. I don't know how else to describe it. It's yeah. it's it's right up my alley. You know, it's Absolutely. like all my values have been built basically off that path. So I just want it to be consistent and and yeah, you know. I think I think probably last question, unless it's not. Um, <laughs> with with the world that we're in now, it's a very, you know, it's an indie DIY scene, right? Um, but also, you need to have people helping you out. How much of your business do you feel like you're still controlling right now with booking agent management? How much of it are you still very hands on with? Are you hands on with everything? Um, not everything, but the way it typically works is like I have my manager, Nancy Sefton, 
is like the go-between. I talk to everybody. I have relationships with everybody. Um, but Nancy runs the team and then brings that to me. You know what I mean? So like I have bi-weekly meetings with her. I talk to Nancy every day, but I have bi-weekly meetings with her where it's like, all right, here's what's going on with the booking agency. I think we need to get on a call with um, Sideways, the media team, like whatever it is, yeah. or I'll take care of it. You know what I mean? And I love that balance because I feel super hands-on. I feel Basically, I feel as hands-on as I want to be. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Like I check out sometimes and they know, she knows, my, my manager knows, like that's, I'm working on the other side of it, right? You know what yeah. I mean? So I check out sometimes, other times I'm right in there, you know what I mean? So yeah. it depends on what's going on, man. I like to be able to forget about it now and then, but they're, I don't know, I work with some really cool people, like we do what we want to do, basically, you know? When you seem to have uh, a real relationship throughout the years with everybody you work with, um, yeah. you do the hang part with just about everybody. Yeah that you play music with or work with. It's not strictly uh, get together and play or do the phone call. I mean, you you have a relationship with everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, there's certain, like, professional lines on the industry side that you try to keep somewhat intact. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cool. But as far as the musicians and really just even the business people, man, they're a different hang. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They're definitely a different hang. Uh, but, they all, but it still goes well together. Like, we understand you know, each other a little bit. So I think naturally, like, those just end up being the people you hang out with, too. Yeah. But I like I like the family affair, man. Like, I really do. I try to keep, I keep it pro until you don't have to, which is the shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you know somebody well enough that you don't have to, you know, yeah. be that way. You can, you can just kind of be you, which is a beautiful thing, too. You play music together even better that way. You know right. how it is. You work together better that way. Right. Um, you know, with certain people in your life. Like, your manager, dude, if it's a long-term manager, you're going to be with this person for a minute, man, and they're they know everything about you, probably more than your girlfriend. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like for real. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and so anyway, yeah. I don't know. Um, I feel good about it. You know, but good. It's like I'm just a hanger, man. Like you know, well, yeah. I like talking. I like yeah. talking shit. You know how it is? Absolutely. We all like, and you know what else is like? A lot of people are funny, like in this thing because it's like the late night hangs all that time just chilling and shooting the shit or whatever i have like a lot of really funny friends you know how that is yeah and see like that's part of it too that makes it exciting to hang out with those people music business people are just cool to chill with most of them some of them a lot of them (laughs) yeah you know yeah absolutely a lot of them (laughs) (laughs) you Uh, know the ones though man you always know like okay everybody and everybody always knows yeah. Everybody always knows, you know, and then yep. people try to do the ass kissing thing and that's fine. You just kind of nod at that. And, but yep. everybody knows when somebody's a dick. Yeah. 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 Now, in terms of the ass kissing thing, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm about to ask. Um, <laughs> are you, do you, have, have you been, you've, have, you've at some point in your career been the ass kisser and the ass kissy, right? <laughs> I'm not really good at it, actually, and um, I guess I mean I don't. I, honestly, dude, I'm not very good at it, <clears throat> and it's actually K- kissing ass or getting yeah. your ass kissed. Really, either. Yeah. Um, but really, either to be honest. Uh, but I'm not good at man. You know me. I'm the nicest dude, but yeah. don't don't be a jerk, man. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't. I just don't have. And I've been a jerk in the past, like as a kid or whatever. You grow up, but as an adult, it's like, dude. 
no tolerance for that, man. It's so easy to be nice to folks, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so that's that does piss me off. Um, but you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Hang out with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's just like if somebody needs that, needs like their ass kissed for them to do the thing for you that you want them to do for you, or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know, man. It just kind of grosses me out. But it, it's caused problems for me. I know that for a fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know about you, but I know for a fact that I have... We've all burned bridges, you know? Yeah. But I've burned bridges simply by not being that kind of person. And yeah. you and I both know people who are... That's, like, what they're good at. Yeah. And I... Those aren't the kind of people I hang out with. Those yeah. aren't the kind of people I like. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like when you know you know those people who are just like, it's like, man, you're just really good at the networking. Sorry, I bumped the mic. But the like the, I'm doing air quotes, the net, networking, <laughs> like that thing. It's like, okay, I understand that. But man, it's hard for me watching people just be snaky. And you're not going to be the kind of guy that starts a business that comments on everybody's Instagram posts that hashtags acoustic and says, want us to promote you exactly. for $25. Exactly. Yeah, man. And like, and if you're not cool, Sorry, you know, I'm not going to, like, freak out, but it's just like, I don't yeah. know, I'm not going to kiss your butt to try to make you, like, you know, you know, it's like, you walk, you roll into a venue sometime and the sound guy's already mad. You, know, you try to be as nice as you can, but eventually it's like, hey, man, you know, I don't know what's going on, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can't, I can't play this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. But most of the time people are cool, so. That's I true. And I've shed most of those people. I don't know about you. Like, do you have that thing where you feel like. Even though we've all lost like people in our lives because they move or this or that happens, that are really cool. You've also shed like a lot of people. That you're like, yeah, that. I'm glad I'm not worried about that anymore. Absolutely. When and and wonder why it was ever an important relationship. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see it at the time. But... Yeah. So never mind. Yeah, I think the people I hang out with get cooler and cooler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like because. Uh, not because I hang out with them. Because you mean... get because you're getting cooler. No, it's just like it's just. <laughs> I just feel lucky, man. I feel lucky just having so many cool friends and people that give a shit about me. You know, like last year was a rough year on a lot of us, on all of us. Mm-hmm. It was a rough year on me personally in addition to the other shit. And people took care of me, man, like big time, stepped up. Awesome. You know, and that's why we do it. You know, it's like we all like to feed into that shit. So, yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. It's good to it's good to see you again. And, you know, this is my first in-person podcast interview in over a year Woo! so yeah we got to break bread together and everything and uh you look cute in a mask yeah <laughs> it's a b- better look for me <laughs> all right i'll talk to you soon man. All right, man there you have it taylor scott thanks so much pal thanks for coming on um if you liked what you're hearing again please rate and review wherever you're listening to your podcast it's a huge help and if you can help out in a monetary way uh, the podcast is now on Patreon. I, I, I just I'm on Patreon for my podcast and my performance career at Patreon.com/AndySido S Y D O W. Any uh, hate mail, death threats, questions, comments, whatever, send them to me at MiddleClassRockstar at Gmail.com. As always, thanks so much for listening, and we're gonna play out with a song from uh, Taylor Scott Band, "Live at Belly Up." This is a jam. It's going to go on for a few minutes, all right? So enjoy. This is Salted Watermelon. Have a great week.
Yeah.